When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You know what I think we ought to do? Probably roll the open. Yeah, roll the open. And, and we're, we're back. back. <laughs> Nailed it! <laughs> You're listening to 43 Feet, a podcast about leadership. We believe that real leading happens out front, but that means you're probably building the next 43 feet of good road for those behind you while you're running the race yourself. My name is Frank Schwartz, known in the gloom of the early morning as Dark Helmet to my F3 brothers, and I'm joined each week by Dave Redding, or Dread, one of the co-founders of F3 Nation. We're going to answer your questions, pontificate wildly, teach leadership, and otherwise attempt to help you navigate the next 43 feet. So th- this week's topic, as we uh, have discussed a little bit previously, is mutual competence, which makes sense that it follows right behind shared leadership. As soon as you realize you have to share leadership with another man in order to be effective, you sure as heck better figure out if that dude's competent. You're going to start thinking, what can this guy do? Because if I got to share some responsibility with him, I kind of want to know if he's Kind of want to know if he can handle it. So the the three Socratics, uh, which are the thought... Oh, I forgot to mention. This is Q3.2. If you happen to be following that. <laughs> in this somewhat idiotic numbering system. I've been practicing, exactly. all, I've been practicing for the last two years. Do you, do you think Dewey Decimal would be upset about the numbering system? You know what? He's dead. Yeah, good point. <laughs> Tap out to uh, the Decimal family. And uh, we love you, Dewey. God, but not forgotten. <laughs> we're making good progress on that sick Can you believe we're not being paid for all this fun? Shocking. This is incredible. Shocking. Oh my gosh. We got paid in Pellegrino. Um, Dred's like, uh, so no more trips out of the country. <laughs> exactly. He's like, and, uh, I can't leave. Uh, we are going to, I know we said we were going to finish the, the Q right. source this year. Uh, we're just going to cancel it. Right. We're just, this whole yeah. thing's over. All right. The three Socratics, which are the thought provoking okay. questions. Number one, is competence important to group success? We don't say anything yet, right? 
Uh, we typically read all the questions, gotcha. but but that but very I, vigorous head nodding <laughs> no, that you're doing. Oh, no, I'm into it. I'm yeah. taking and it all in. Principal's not here. I'm so getting we can provoked. Things. That's I'm right. getting provoked. Does every member of the team? This is Socratic number two. Does every member of a team have to be equally competent? Okay. And number three, how competent must the leader be? Three thought-provoking questions. So I think we can all agree that in order to be effective, a group you know has to be in constant motion toward the accomplishment right. of their underlying purpose. Yep. Right. And hopefully their stated purpose, their articulated purpose. Yeah, I mean, otherwise you're just kind of you here. Right. What I'm doing is this hand motion that shows yes. me moving it a forward, flattish it's really line. not doing yeah. anything. But we don't, we don't do deceller. I nope. mean, we don't do a status quo, right? Nope. We, it's either Disrupting. So, <clears throat> yeah, so anytime you lose momentum, yeah. that's when, you know, your your good, solid culture of lizardousness. Lizard, Lizard becomes a bullfrog. Right. Right, so, you know, I've worked in and around nonprofits for a long time. Yes. And you can see organizations with the greatest of purpose, greatest of intention, fall into this stagnant kind of ability of just sort of moving along. Yeah, which brings up an interesting question, I'm, and I'd like to ask you. Have you ever kind of firsthand, because uh, in in my work as a, uh, formerly a you know, corporate communications yeah. genius, yeah. Uh, professional. Wiz. Right, yeah. Wiz. Mm. Man about town. <clears throat> yeah, whatever. Um, sort of the Don Draper of yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. I thought you were just going to say the Don. Right. Yeah, right. Sort of the Don of Charlotte. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, no, but uh, have you ever witnessed where you saw a, a company or a nonprofit, some organization where it started, and you thought to yourself, and Pool obviously way in here as well, because what do you do again? Uh, I sell software. Oh, there we go. Okay. There you go. That was pretty close to what I told you in the car on the yeah, ride over here. Not even close. Um, <laughs> That's I, software I think, in the words. I think, <laughs> well, you said the words software. I did say where. software quite a bit. <laughs> But say software. I did say really together. I also, I also said, said Tupperware on the right over. Exactly. He said the pajamas can be software. It's true, right? Exactly. Uh, Sorry. Wow. Where we a, digress. Where a a at one point it was a lizardish. You know, it was it was smallish maybe, yeah. but certainly it was it was accelerating. It was had good movement and all that kind of stuff. Where you watch it just slowly sort of crumble into yeah, I was bullfrog. In one. I was in one. So I won't name very specifics, but okay. my, one of my first jobs when I moved to D.C. in 2010 was with a nonprofit that had incredible purpose. Uh -huh. right? This organization was stood up to aid military families who had lost loved ones in combat. Oh, wow. The mission of this organization was incredibly strong. And certainly there aligns was, with your values. Yeah, but there was an ineffective leader at the helm that got very stagnant in the approach and got to where they were going single donor focused to keep this organization alive and never accelerated the growth, the financial growth of the organization. Mm -hmm. Well, when one major donor is funding an organization like that, in this instance, and they go away, what happens? Yeah. Closing the doors, baby. So there's got to be, there was no acceleration. There was yeah. a great, incredibly strong momentum out the gate. A lot of positive things happening. But yeah. then the acceleration need to happen to keep it moving wasn't there. It, it wasn't there. And it, it just stopped. And, and that, cool? Well, yeah. I guess the other example I've seen is where people have put profit in 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 front of service. sure so and their their articulated purpose which was whatever they wrote on the wall sure. in, in the, the lunchroom yeah, yeah which is a lie um they uh they abandoned that correct or they didn't even maybe they never intended to follow that what they really were after was profit yeah, exactly okay. and yeah. watched a whole division just wither up and die wow because people people know what is genuinely in your heart yeah. and it'll ferret itself out over time
Yeah, I mean, people so will show you who they it. are by what they do. Yeah, exactly. They'll so you always show you, you who they are. You can't hide them, but so long. So right? a leader who is saying one thing, doing another, is going to eventually show himself. Yeah. People have, this is how you say this, people yeah. going to do what they want to do. <laughs> people are going to do if, what they want to do. If we were from Louisiana, that is exactly that's how we would say that. That yes. zebra stripes ain't changing. <laughs> but it's true, because that's what they'll, they'll ultimately do what they want to do or what moves... Yep. Whatever they've got forward, or if or if it is easier just to not move anything forward and just kind of keep going existentially, right? They'll continue. just stay there. I'll just yeah. stay there. And you yeah. can listen. People make careers doing that. We watch it all the time. All the time. All the time. Right. So groups' momentum, it, it, while initiated by mission, like yeah. we said, uh, which is you know designed to to follow a certain course of action and perform certain mission essential tasks, it, it withers if uh, if we lose focus. On, on that's that right. mission. That's right. And so every group, while it has tasks to perform uh, as part of its course of action, uh, both you know with the individuals in, in the organization and in combination with each other, um, they they all have them. They all are there. There have to, there are things that got to get done. Always made. things that got to get done. Right? You guys talked about it a few <clears throat> weeks ago with diaper changing. There's always exactly. stuff that's got to get done. And that, and that, those things are the things that are not inside anybody's D2X, uh-huh. and so, but they're also ones that, that are, right? right? But it's the same thing as setting mm-hmm. goals and then, all right, so here's the major strategy. Mm-hmm. Now we got tax, tactics that are going to get us there. You got to have that strategy in place to keep those tactics moving. Otherwise, they're just kind of sitting there. Exactly. So we all we all agree that stuff's got to get did. Yep. And we agree to some degree that uh, focus on mission is is one of the, the critical pieces of making sure that the right things get done. Yeah, at the that's right the times. phrase mission essential tasks, <laughs> right? So otherwise they're just tasks. But yeah. if they're essential to the mission, if you tell somebody, hey, Frank. Yeah. I got five mission essential tasks I need you to get done today. You're going to be like, oh, my God, I better get done these yeah. five Roger tasks that. or else the mission isn't happening. Yeah. And in some instances, that could be a life or death sort of situation. But most Maybe of the time not for what we're us, doing on a daily not, basis. But for some people, it For some be, people, right? it could be. And that's the problem is you said mission essential, mission essential tasks. So if I have subverted or lost focus of the missions, right. they're no longer essential that's tasks right. to me. You essential and tasks. And therefore, right. my competence for the group is... Uh, Effectively toileted, right? right? So the the question that we asked, does every member of a team have to be equally competent? I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I think there's got to be a level of understanding of, of here's where we're all at. You got to at least be here. You got to at so least be some at minimum. Level. I think there's got to be some, I hate saying minimum because it feels like you're doing the bare minimum, Okay, but you've got to be able to understand that each guy, guy, gal, whoever at the table of this shared leadership team. Uh-huh. I know that this guy is reliable. Okay. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's a level of reliability. Okay. Because otherwise, if you're going to be dipping down below that, then you're, you're not going to help us move problem. forward what we got to do. Right. Yeah. So absolutely. I don't know that it's, hey, everybody's got to be a 10 on some scale, but there's got to be go. some level of reliability, sure. competence sure. to move it. So I'm going to take a slightly different tack at it. I like this because uh, yeah. it's probably correct. Go ahead. I, <laughs> well, it's absolutely correct. But I think that if, if you have an organization where all the people are at a certain level, mm-hmm. you'll never have those new people come in that aren't at that level. And so that's where our okay. six oh. in F3 sure. is such a critical thing. I mean, we were just talking about one of our guys here in Carpex, uh, Frisco, who is so good about going back to the six yep. and making sure those guys feel connected. Mm-hmm. But if we start saying in F3, like if you can't do 10 burpees, well, don't don't show up in the gloom yet. 
And so, because we do say you don't have to train to come out and do this. Get your butt out here and let's yeah. get going. Mm-hmm. You're not point. on the couch. And, so we, and we would better. all agree. So uh-huh. I, I think the issue isn't so much what what does the standard need to be to even be in, on the table, but right. it's if you're going to stay at the table, then you got to be accelerating to a standard. Right. Oh, I like that. And, and when well, I like that. It's good, right? Hey, can we go back and I can say that? That was good. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll cut his part out. Like, yeah. Exactly. yeah, I'll cut That's his part point. out. And That's you a good say point. It. That's a good yeah. way to look at it. No, it's a great way to look at it. Yeah, yeah it really is. See Absolutely. what I said earlier about surrounding yourself with guys that know what they're talking about? Kitty's no dummy. Yeah. So, yes. That's exactly right. And and so the answer to the question, I think, for and according to the Q source and certainly in my estimation as well, is that just like, you know, early on when we talked in the in the mixed egg and we said, you know, guys confuse what acceleration right. means. I think guys confuse what mutual competence means. Mm-hmm. So to your point, Poole, right, competence means adherence to some standard that we have set. Now, in this case, 10 burpees is not the standard. Right? But the standard is acceleration. The exactly, standard in F3 exactly. world and what we think from a leadership yep, standpoint exactly. is always be accelerating. Always Correct. be accelerating. Right. And as long as you are willing to accelerate, we are willing to circle back right. for you. That's right. That's but if exactly you just right. give up that's right. and just gonna, sit down, mm-mm. brother, just walk to your car. Fly. We're it's not, not going to you know, that's, that's not how this works, right? Yeah. So the other thing we think of when we think of mutual a lot of times is we think equal. And just like you said, not everybody has to be clicking right. at a 10 because there is a six. Yep. Right. And so it's, it, I'm just going to read this right out of the Q-Stress. Mutual competence does not mean that the skill of every member of the team must be exactly or precisely equal. That'd be impossible as every team will always have its flesh anchor. Thank you very much. At the six and its lead dog at the 12. That's right. As long as the skill gap between the flesh anchor and the 12 is not so great that it hinders the team's acceleration the members will be generally aligned in their mutual competence. That's right. And that's, that's what right. we're shooting for. Yep. Right? And so you have to have, and it's, you know, it's brilliant how these things always build on each other, right? Because at some point we had to have identified what are those things that we agree as mutual competencies. There are five core ones that we five believe core ones, belong yeah. to, right. you know, all groups. But much like Dred talked about, you know, timeliness, uh, or rather punctuality, uh, you know, being important for, uh, you know, a military operation, not yep. so important for a rock band. Yep. You know, you have to agree ahead of time on what those things are. So love it. The last question was how competent must the leader be according to our standard, yep. according to, to what we would say, uh, how, how competent they must be. I guess the next question would be is for what, for what, sure. yeah. what are they leading? <laughs> yeah, what yeah, are they what, doing? Right? Yep. right. So the competence level of, uh, you know, the king of toilet scrubbers, Maybe slightly different than, you know, four, uh, four star. What was it? Three star? You're dead. Three star. Three yeah. star general. Sorry. I Close. Mean, didn't Almost mean to add a star for no reason. There. Sorry. <laughs> Always a four star in our hearts. <clears throat> That's right. <laughs> depending on what that the, the mission essential tasks are, depending on what the group is trying to accomplish, and depending on, you know, what the mission of the group is, the as to what the competencies may be, but the competence of the group is going to depend on the competence of the queue. That's right. The man tasked with, you know, the, the guy who's responsible for yep, the Who's leading. Right. Who's out front. Yeah. So it all starts with, with that guy's competence. And so, uh, Poole, you were mentioning earlier, like, you, you can't get, I don't remember who you said said it, but you can't give out of what you don't have. Yeah, so another Carpex guy, swag. Yeah, swag, you, that's right. You serve out of overflow. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that you always get to 100% before you can do anything. No. But if your tank is empty. Uh-huh. And you're trying to serve, you're going to hit the wall, brother. 
Sure. I mean, well, and if I'm trying to teach yeah. Kitty how to, you know, whatever, uh, persuade, let's say, but I couldn't persuade my way out of a paper bag. Yeah. You know, I, I, on paper, I might be able to show him some things, but I can't teach him much. Exactly. I got to tell you, the timing of this is pretty funny. So I was sitting around with staff. Uh, we were getting ready for a board meeting today. And we this were is refl- at your, your man. my current position, mm-hmm. right? And we were reflecting on, you know, people were just talking about, you know, leadership styles we've seen in the past, you know, all these different dynamics. And I, and I said, you know, you probably walk around with a big old sack on your back of things that you shouldn't do based on what you've seen out of what you would classify as bad leaders. Or you could use incompetent leaders here. You collect some of those things. You, you hope that your bucket of good things to do is maybe a little bit heavier than your bucket of things not sure, to do. Sure. But you might walk around with those as you're going and you might pull look into that bucket every now and then and say, oh yeah, I remember that leader used to do this thing. I'm not going to do that how I lead or how I you know operate. So I think if you take some of those things that you see along the way where people have been incompetent or you know have stepped out of line with leadership, right. you know, you can take a little bit of that. But you'll know. I mean, you know, you can spot right. incompetence. Oh yeah. And if yeah, someone, yeah. and if, especially if they're masquerading as something else, mascotting, ooh, well, you mascot. can see it, man. Yeah. You can see it. They'll yep. know. And I think a fear of a lot of leaders is, is being discovered for that being discovered for inadequacies or incompetence. And that's why they fake and why they rely on ego and why they, they react out of a uh, sort of a reactive energy of, instead of of being like, I don't know this. Yeah. I need to bring somebody in on my team that maybe does. Right. And using creative energy of of humility and Uh and team, you know, teamwork and that Uh kind of a thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. But that's perceived as weakness. And so people in our culture would have you believe that. Yeah, exactly. The Oprah bomb would say, you know, don't be weak. Right. And I don't think that's one of her Oprah problems. But she probably wouldn't because she'd be like, weakness is strength or something. Yeah, exactly. You're stronger when you're weaker. I don't know. What? (laughs) Excuse me, ma'am. Are there some. (laughs) I don't know what that means. (laughs) Thanks for playing. I I don't know. Uh, You were going to say something else. That's it. That's okay, all, okay. No, I, I'm, I'm in. I'm I looked. In, I looked over I'm there, in. and I thought. I thought there was another thought. Well, I, no, think, I just. I think I was going to say that it, you have to fight against that as a leader to say sometimes I'm going to model being strong by being weak. In other words, I'm going to say I'm vulnerable here. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. going to show how I can really be a leader mm-hmm. because my people need to see that too. Right. Because that gives them an opportunity to fill those gaps. Well, I mean, do you do you instill a culture where failure is okay? Right. So are you in a situation where you're a leader that says we don't fail in anything? We're perfect all the time. Right. Or you're the kind that allows your team to fail at times. Right. Not intentionally. Who Lombardi says we're not going to get perfection, but if we chase it, we'll get excellence. We'll get excellence. Right. And so you got to you got to set that. And that means sometimes going to your team and say, hey, team, I need to talk to you about something that a misstep I had this week. Yeah. You know, I thought this strategy session was going to go this way. I thought this pitch was going to go this way and it took a left turn and I screwed it up. Right. Here's how I screwed it up. But I think here's how we can make it better. Right. That's going to let them know and it's huge. okay. Because yep. it, it is all born. And we talk about this all the time, but the, the underpinnings of everything that we talk about in Q source and F3 and really in virtuous leadership in general, because everything we talk about is underpinned with truth, capital T and love. That's it. Right. You can you can roll your life into those two things. Brother, you're gonna be doing just fine. You're gonna be doing okay. Because yeah. speaking truth without love, that's a hammer. That's a, <laughs> speaking just love. What right. do you have to do? That's with your not kids? very helpful. Hey, I love you, and, but I'm gonna tell you what's up. Yeah, because I have to. Yep. Trust me. One day you'll see. But like I. And have as long to as tell you, you have gotten right, right, and you're not being a hypocrite, of course. You know, overly. Right. We all are. But, but if you come at it from a position of love, right, totally different deal. Right. You're good. Absolutely. I'm gonna read you a story. Uh, this is from Dreddy. He says, when I was a young infantry lieutenant, 
the colonel who commanded my battalion, was a powerful leader. One day I had my platoon assembling and disassembling the 50 caliber machine gun, which was a mission essential task for them. The colonel was observing this training when one of my sergeants asked him if he wanted to give it a shot. No pun intended. I thought it was kind of a wise arc, uh, wiseacre move, uh, given that the man may not have touched a 50 cal in the 20 years since he had been a young lieutenant. Given the amount of responsibility he had as a battalion commander, he had bigger fish to fry. I hoped he would just laugh it off so that nobody got in trouble, right? But I was wrong. Without a word, the colonel dropped down to the sergeant, or dropped down next to the sergeant, disassembled the gun, and put it, put it together just like he had done it yesterday. When he was done, he stood back up, told me to carry on, and walked calmly away. His competence amazed my men and gave us all great confidence in his leadership. Maybe a year later, with that incident long forgotten, I found myself as the battalion duty officer, which meant I had to spend the night at battalion headquarters. Hearing a noise from the colonel's office, I walked down the hall to investigate and found him on the floor with the components of a 50 cal spread around him. Stay sharp. Stay sharp. Since he spent most of his day pushing paper, I couldn't understand why in the world he was messing around with a machine gun in his office at midnight. But it not being my place to question the commander, I wished him a good night and went back to my desk, which is when it hit me. That's how the colonel was able to, quote-unquote, amaze my platoon mm -hmm. the year before. There was nothing amazing about it. This man worked at it. He practiced in order to remain competent. The reason he did it at night was that his day was taken up with other duties, the ones that kept him behind a desk. And then something else occurred to me too. But I couldn't test my theory until I saw my old sergeant the next day. Hey, I asked him, do you remember that, that time you asked the colonel if he wanted to turn or wanted to turn on the 50 cal and he blew us all away? Yes, sir, the sergeant said. What about it? At the time, I thought you might have been messing with him a little, but it's the opposite, isn't it? You did it because you knew he could do it just like he did it. You did that to give our platoon confidence in the chain of command. That's right. Mm -hmm. The sergeant just smiled at me and walked away, and that is how shared leadership is supposed to work. Amen. They know what they got above them. Right. And they got to see it. So, Kitty, I got to tell oh. you, sometimes you just don't know what's going to come up. Uh, and so you've got to be prepared all the time. And to do that, kind of going back to the mixed egg, you gotta you gotta work that rhythm, man. Gotta work it because to work everything, it. there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. Sometimes there's a time to build up and a time to break down, time to dance and a time to mourn. Every once in a while, pool, there's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. You know what, brother? I, I don't know I how to tell like you. I feel like you've been waiting for that your whole life. Maybe you <laughs> nailed it. I don't you know got, how to tell you this. But I got a face for radio. <laughs> you, got, you at least got the eyes for it. Yeah, but you know what, Dart? What's that? This ain't the radio. W what is it? This is a podcast. It is! <laughs> Let's go! Thanks for listening to 43 Feet, a leadership podcast. If you have questions about leadership, F3, or anything else, write us at questions at 43feetpodcast.com. Until next time, we'll be here in the unknown, the uncomfortable, the difficult, the 43 feet out front. A time of love.